But Mothman's story is a truly bizarre piece of history that really is a lot bigger than just the Mothman itself. In 1966 and 1967, the town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, became a veritable hotbed of strange encounters. UFOs, aliens, men in black, the Mothman, all kinds of crazy stuff that finally culminated in a horrible tragedy. This is Simply Strange, the podcast where anything spooky, weird, and goosebump-inducing is fair game. Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of Simply Strange. Congratulations for finding your way here, because this one is an absolute doozy of an episode. My name is PJ Vergnetti, and I will be your host throughout today's spooky little tale. Real quick before we get started, though, I would just like to ask, as always, if you enjoy Simply Strange, please, please, please be sure to subscribe. And if your heart moves you to do so, a positive review on whatever podcast listening platform that you like to use would be hugely appreciated as well. So thanks for that, guys and gals. For this week's episode, I wanted to cover something a little different. Something that wasn't another missing person or unsolved murder. Maybe something a little lighter. So I was going down all these crazy rabbit holes on Reddit trying to figure out what I wanted to do this episode. And I saw this teeny little post mentioning the Mothman. And saying that the Mothman and all the lore surrounding it are basically the wackiest shenanigans that have ever happened in the history of mankind. And... I like shenanigans, so I jumped in to see what all the fuss was about, and I was not disappointed. It's some pretty weird and wild stuff, and I've been planning on sprinkling in the occasional cryptid episode into the show from the beginning, but the problem is, whenever you hear about cryptids, it always seems like it's just some guy taking a blurry picture of a moose swimming, and there's not actually any legitimate information to go off of. And I don't know how to talk for 45 minutes about a moose in a lake. But then I found the Mothman, the interdimensional harbinger of doom from outer space that unleashed its fury upon a small town in West Virginia. And as soon as I found old Mothman, I knew we had an episode on our hands. So here it is. I hope you enjoy it. I know it's a little bit of a departure from the kinds of stories I've been covering over the past handful of episodes, but I still think it's really cool stuff. So let's talk about the Mothman. The curious tale of the Mothman begins in the 1960s in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, a small town of, at the time, about 6,000 people. Interestingly enough, that population has since dwindled to closer to 4,000 in recent years. Is that possibly because of the events we're about to discuss? I don't know. Maybe. Point Pleasant is nestled alongside the Ohio River in the western part of West Virginia. If you cross the river, you're in Ohio. So Point Pleasant's just barely in West Virginia. There's 
nothing super unique about it. It's just a sleepy West Virginia town. But in 1966, something awoke in this quiet little town. And people started to experience some really strange things. And the interesting thing about the Mothman story is that it's really about a lot more than just the Mothman. It's more about the town of Point Pleasant and the sum total of all of the crazy stuff that goes down there, with the Mothman being just a piece of the puzzle. It all begins on November 2nd, 1966. Woodrow Durenberger, a salesman for a sewing machine company, is driving from Marietta, Ohio, to his home in Mineral Wells, West Virginia. It's a cold and rainy evening. Around 6 p.m., as Woody is passing by Parkersburg, he hears a loud crash coming from behind him. He turns on the lights in his truck and sees that a sewing machine that was sitting in the back of his truck had fallen over. But then, moments later, a car comes speeding up behind him, seemingly out of nowhere, and zooms past him. Just behind this vehicle is a second one that seems to be following the first car. The second vehicle shoots past Woody as well. But instead of continuing onward like the other vehicle did, this one cuts in front of Woody and slides to a stop in the middle of the road, forcing him to come to a stop as well. As he inches closer to it, He's able to get a better look at the vehicle, and it's not a car, it's not any sort of traditional vehicle like we would expect to see on the road today. This thing, according to Woody, is shaped like an old-fashioned kerosene lamp chimney, which, if you're like me and have absolutely no idea what the hell that is, it's kind of tubular. Each end flares out a little bit and becomes wider on the edges. And then in the middle of the tube, there's this big bulge that comes out to create sort of a cockpit situation. It's about 9 feet high, 36 feet long, and 9 feet across. So it's not enormous, but it's bigger than a car. And it's also hovering about 6 inches above the ground. So at this point... Woody is at a complete stop on the side of the road, and the strange vehicle is stopped in front of him, blocking the road completely. And this is when it gets really good. A door materializes on the side of the vehicle. It slides open, and a man steps out. He's average height, 5'10 or so. He's got long, dark hair that's slicked straight back, and he has a very impressive tan, like he's hovering home fresh off a vacation to the Jersey Shore. As soon as he steps out of the vehicle, the door slides closed and the whole craft just shoots straight up into the air and stops about 40 feet or so over the highway. I guess they did not want to impede traffic, so that was extremely thoughtful of them. At this point, the man starts to approach Woody's truck. He has this really wide grin all the way across his face like he doesn't have a care in the world. He walks with his arms crossed and his hands tucked into his armpits. He's wearing a long black coat with some sort of blue metallic garment underneath it. And as he walks toward Woody, Woody hears the words, Don't be afraid. I mean you no harm. I only want to ask you a few questions. Except he doesn't hear them coming from the mouth of this mysterious man. He hears them somehow echoing in his head like the man is communicating with him telepathically. This guy says there's no need for Woody to be afraid, but given the situation at hand, 
it didn't really stop Woody from being afraid. The man walks up to the passenger side of Woody's truck and asks him to roll down the window so that they could talk, and Woody obliges. He tells him, still without moving his lips, that Woody is welcome to speak or think, that it makes no difference, and that he can understand him either way. I don't fully understand why the window needed to be rolled down in order for them to talk to each other by thinking, but who am I? I'm just some idiot who doesn't know how to speak telepathically. And from here, the guy just engages Woody in some nice, casual, telepathic small talk. First, he introduces himself. He says, my name is Cold. I sleep, breathe, and bleed, even as you do. And he tells Woody that he comes from a country much less powerful than his, which seems odd to me given that he's flying around in this crazy, weird, badass hovercraft thing. Seems like wherever he comes from, they're doing all right. But that's what he said. Then he asks for Woody's name and what he tells him. At one point, Mr. Cold gestures over towards the light emanating from Parkersburg, asking, what do you call that over there? Woody explains to him that that was a city and that this particular city is called Parkersburg. Cold asks if people live there, and Woody tells him that, yes, some people do live there. But mostly it's a place of business. People go there to work and to conduct business with each other, go shopping. But some people live there. Mostly, though, they live in communities around the city. To which Cold responds that where he comes from, they call that a gathering. And there's no elaboration on that, so interpret that however you want, I guess. Wherever he comes from, a city is called a gathering. From here, the conversation kind of moves on to your typical introductory small talk type stuff. Cold asks Woody if he works. Woody explains that he's a salesman and asks Cold if he has a job. Cold says, yes, I am a searcher. Whatever that means. Now, I want to take a second to really drive home just how bizarre this whole situation is. Woody's a pretty normal guy. He later says that he didn't really believe in aliens or UFOs or anything like that until this point. And that if he hadn't actually lived out this event himself, he probably wouldn't believe it had happened. Yet here he is, forced to stop on the side of the highway in the middle of the night by some well-tanned, smiley, humanoid alien guy who apparently just wants to hang out and talk about work. And for the entirety of the conversation, Woody was, rightfully so, pretty spooked. And Cold picked up on that, and he continued to assure Woody throughout that there is nothing to be afraid of, telling him, we mean you no harm. You will see that we eat and bleed the same as you do. After ten minutes or so of conversation, the man finally ended their little chat by saying, Mr. Durenberger, I thank you for talking to me. We will see you again. He peered a little closer into Woody's car, looking right into his eyes. And as he did so, his spaceship shot back down from where it had been perched in the sky, and the door opened back up. Cold turns around walks back to the ship and steps inside. And as he does so, Woody sees an arm reach out to help Cold into the vehicle. As soon as the door closed behind Cold, it shoots back up into the air and then very quickly zooms away. Unsurprisingly, this left Woody stunned. He just kind of sits there for a few minutes trying to wrap his head around 
what just happened. Eventually, he starts his car back up and heads home. Around 7 p.m., he arrives home and tells his wife what he had just experienced. She's pretty freaked out about the whole thing and convinces Woody to call the police. So he does. He files a brief report with the police, and then he calms himself down enough to go to bed. The next morning, he tries to go about his daily routine, but when he gets to work, he finds out that the media had gotten wind of his encounter the previous night, and they wanted to have a TV interview with him. So he ended up spending most of the day doing that instead of work. And this interview is where most of what I just described about this encounter came from. The televised part is about 30 minutes long, And in it, he describes the encounter, and then he discusses what he thinks about the whole thing. He says that he's never been one to believe in aliens or flying saucers or UFOs, but now he believes otherwise. He says that he believes that what he experienced was an alien encounter. He says that he believes cold and that he thinks he will likely see him again, although he doesn't particularly want to. I think this is a really interesting start to the whole Mothman thing. Listening to the interview, I was struck by the way he seemed to have an answer for every question the interviewer asked. Even more specific ones like the man's weight and height or the size of the vehicle. It almost to me made it sound like the whole thing was kind of rehearsed. But at the same time, I have to wonder why. What could he possibly have stood to gain from making all of this up? It seems to me like it would do nothing but hurt his reputation. It's just going to make people think that he's crazy and add a lot of unnecessary headaches to his life. And also, what does Cold stand to gain from this interaction? He didn't really get any super exciting information from Woody. Did he really force him to stop on the side of the highway just so that he could ask him about his job and what a city is? There's got to be more to it. What he mentioned in the interview that when he and Cold made eye contact, he felt like Cold was making some sort of deeper connection with him, understanding him in a way. So maybe this conversation was just a pretext for him to get close enough to read Woody's mind, or whatever this deeper connection may have allowed him to accomplish. Whatever the case, Woody's connection with Cold didn't end there. The day after the interview on November 4th, He's riding with a co-worker on the highway outside of Parkersburg when he feels a strange tingling sensation in his forehead. Suddenly, he gets hit with an avalanche of thoughts that he believes to be from Mr. Cold. Cold tells him that his first name is Indrid and that he has a wife named Kimmy and two sons. They all live together on a planet called Lanulos, which is much like Earth. It has seasons, plants, animals, but unlike the dysfunctional garbage fire we've put together, Lanulos has no war, no poverty, no hunger, and no misery. Then the transmission ended. The whole Woody injured cold saga is honestly something I could probably do a whole episode on. The only reason I don't is that it does start to get a little bit ridiculous later on. I'm willing to believe that maybe Woody saw something the first night. An alien, I'm a little hesitant 
to accept. I think it's more likely that it was just some sort of elaborate prank that was pulled on him. But the direct transmission to his brain, I don't know about that. And then his story gets just off the wall bonkers later on to the point where I'm not sure how reliable of a source this guy really is. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But there's a lot more to the Mothman story than just Woodrow Durenberger. About five miles north of Point Pleasant lies the McClintic Wildlife Management Area. Back during World War II, this area was used as a major explosives manufacturing facility. At its peak, it employed several thousand people. There were miles of underground tunnels linking its various buildings and factories, as well as igloos, which were concrete domes that were hidden under a layer of dirt and grass that were used to safely store the finished explosives. After the war, the area was mostly abandoned and converted partly into a wildlife sanctuary and partly into a dump. Years later, it was determined that the land had been severely contaminated by the byproducts of the explosives being manufactured there. In the 1960s, this area became known to the people of Point Pleasant as the TNT area. It became a pretty popular hangout spot for local teens. They'd use the long dirt roads as drag strips, and couples would retreat to the deeper, darker parts of the forest to have a good time. On the evening of November 16, 1996, 12 days after Woody's experience with injured cold, two young married couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Stephen Mary Mallet, were driving around the TNT area. They were out looking for friends hanging out in the area, but apparently no one was out that night. Eventually, they parked alongside the old power plant. As they did so, all four of them noticed two bright red circles piercing through the darkness. The circles were about two inches across and six inches apart from each other. The lights began to weave through the darkness, and the four realized that they were attached to some sort of creature, that they were its eyes. At first, all they could do was stare, like they were hypnotized. For a full minute, they just sat there, entranced by the creature's gaze. But then, the creature began to move towards the opened door of the power plant, which snapped the four of them out of their trance. So Roger put the pedal to the floor, and they sped out of the TNT area back towards Point Pleasant. As they raced towards the highway, they saw the creature again, standing in front of them on a small hill. As they passed it, it unfolded a pair of bat-like wings that were 10 feet across, and it flew straight up into the air. Without even flapping its wings, I might add, because he's the Mothman, and the Mothman need not be tethered by the earthly requirements of physics. The creature had a body similar to that of a man, although it didn't have a pronounced neck. Its head was just kind of jammed into the top of its torso. The creature followed them onto the highway, where Roger says it easily kept up with them, even as he sped in excess of 100 miles per hour towards Point Pleasant. And for some reason, right as they reached Point Pleasant city limits, the creature vanished. One really interesting piece of information here that seems kind of small and irrelevant right now, but will be significant later, is that... As they were driving out to the TNT area, they noticed a dead dog on the side of the road. 
But when they drove back while they were being chased, they somehow noticed that it wasn't there anymore. Just remember that. It's interesting. So they get back to town and all four of them are completely mortified by what they had just seen. They went straight to the sheriff's office to report it and they told Deputy Millard Halstead what happened. And he believed them. He later said that he's known these kids all their lives and that they've never been ones to cause trouble. But whatever happened there that night really scared them. So he believes that they saw something out there. They took Deputy Halstead back out to the power plant a short while later to see if the creature had returned. As far as they could tell, it hadn't. But Halstead did have some strange radio interference that seemed highly unusual and prevented him from being able to communicate with dispatch. The next morning, a press conference was held to convey the story to the media, and an article was published in the Point Pleasant Register titled, Couples See Man-Sized Bird, Creature, Something. After the Scarberry and Mallet Mothman sighting, the floodgates opened, and people reportedly started to see the Mothman all over the place. More and more information came in, giving details about what the Mothman looked like. The most common descriptions of it were that it's a winged humanoid, about 6 to 10 feet tall with gray fur, or maybe feathers, a 10-foot wingspan, and red eyes that glow intensely when hit with light. Several reports also mention the creature being able to fly without flapping its wings. Multiple times we hear of the creature chasing cars, reaching speeds in excess of 100 miles per hour. Before people see it, they are often overcome with a feeling of unexplainable existential dread. And when they do see it, a lot of times they seem almost trapped by its gaze, unable to move, paralyzed. Some people even report that their eyes would get puffy and swollen and irritated as they looked at it. Some going as far as to say that their eyes would start bleeding. One such sighting was that of Kenneth Duncan. In fact, Kenneth's sighting supposedly happened before the Scarberry Mallet sighting, four days before, on the evening of November 12th. Kenneth and four friends were digging a grave for his father-in-law in Clinton in West Virginia, a town about 70 miles southeast of Point Pleasant. When Kenneth saw what he described as a large humanoid creature lifting off of some nearby trees and gliding around their heads. Kenneth was the only one to see the creature actually lifting up from out of the trees, but the other four men did see it gliding around. They were able to see it for about a minute or so before it flew out of sight. Following the bizarre encounter, the men discussed what they saw with some friends, but they didn't report it to the police or the media until after they heard about the Scarberry Mallet sighting and noticed the similarities. Another sighting supposedly occurred the same night as the Scarberry Mallet sighting. Around 10.30 that night, Newell Partridge of Salem, West Virginia, a town about 100 miles west of Point Pleasant, was sitting at home watching TV. When the screen suddenly went black and his program was replaced by a, quote, real fine herringbone pattern. 
and the TV started to emit a really loud, high-pitched whining noise. I've seen this pattern being described as ominous, but honestly, I have no idea why. I had absolutely no idea what a herringbone pattern even was prior to hearing about this, as I'm sure a lot of you probably also don't know. So I looked it up, and it's basically rectangles stacked on top of each other in a nice symmetrical fashion. There's nothing particularly exciting about it. There definitely doesn't seem to be anything spooky about it, but fine. It was somehow ominous. And as this was happening, Newell heard his dog, Bandit, start barking on the front porch. So he grabs his flashlight and goes outside to see what Bandit was barking at. Bandit seemed to be honed in on the hay barn, about a football field away from the house. So Newell directed the flashlight towards the barn and saw what he describes as two red circles, or eyes. They were far away near the barn, but they were huge for being that far away. Too big to be a raccoon or a cat, or even something bigger like a dog. As the light hit the eyes, Bandit took off after them, and Newell was suddenly hit with an intense wave of icy fear. He was frozen in place, unable to chase Bandit. He lost sight of Bandit in the darkness, and Bandit never returned. That feeling of fear never left Newell that night, and he didn't dare venture out into the darkness to look for Bandit, so he just retired to bed sleeping with his shotgun that night. The next day, he went looking for Bandit. He found some tracks, but he wasn't able to actually find Bandit. He was just gone. Which brings me back to the other Mothman sighting that night at the TNT area, when they saw a dead dog on the side of the road that later disappeared. Could that dog have been Bandit? Strange reports like this continued to come in, but not all of them necessarily involved the Mothman. There's a woman in Ohio, just across the river from the TNT area, who was awakened by her dog in the early morning hours of November 17th. When she got up and peered out the kitchen window to see what the dog was barking at, she saw a giant flying saucer hovering over the treetops a short distance from her house and it was covered in bright green and red lights. She tried to wake her husband up to show him, but by then, the UFO, of course, had disappeared. That same afternoon, a teenager in Ohio was driving on the highway near this same woman's house when a giant bird dove towards his car and then followed him on the highway for about a mile. On November 18th, Two Point Pleasant firemen were in the TNT area when they saw a giant bird with big red eyes, but they did make it a point to say that it was definitely a bird. I don't know though, kind of sounds like Mothman. There's a group of teenagers on the 20th who also say they saw him. An elderly man in Point Pleasant ran into him just standing in his front yard one day. The list of Mothman sightings go on and on and on. There's an absurd number of them for such a small town. There's records of 
at least 100 different sightings between 1966 and 1967. And they all seem fairly earnest, too, like they've actually seen it and aren't just making stuff up to get in on the fun. Or at least they think they've actually seen it. Many of the sightings were also accompanied by a strange red light in the sky as well. Reports of the Mothman monster, UFOs, and floating red lights continued for nearly a year. And because of all these strange sightings, as well as the injured cold encounter, Point Pleasant became something of a hotspot for pseudoscientists. Ufologists, cryptozoologists, and paranormal researchers began to flock to Point Pleasant to conduct research and interview witnesses to try to understand what was going on. The most well-known of them was an author named John Keel, who wrote a book about his experiences in Point Pleasant called The Mothman Prophecies, which was actually later made into a movie. John's research is one of the main resources that I used for this episode, and it documents a lot of the encounters that happened throughout the ordeal. There's pages and pages of stuff. John even has some stories of his own, like one night when he was driving around the TNT area and he was suddenly overcome with a wave of intense fear. Much like what a lot of people describe feeling when they see Mothman. He continued to drive as normal and eventually the feeling went away. But eventually he found himself back in that same spot and he felt the intense fear again. His hair stood up and his whole body shivered. But again, he continued on and the feeling went away. So obviously this piqued his curiosity. He threw the car in reverse and tried to back into the area where he felt the strange sensation. And sure enough, it returned. He got out of the car and walked back and forth in and out of the area. And the strange feeling came and went as he entered and left this one very specific spot. Eventually he left the area to go home for the night, but when he went back the next morning and passed that same spot, he didn't feel anything. Pretty weird, huh? It's really hard for me to decide what I make of all of this because there's just so many people experiencing it. Obviously it's crazy. Flying humanoid moth creatures that cause existential dread and make your eyes bleed. Well-tanned aliens stopping people on the highway to talk about their jobs. Somehow the UFO in the lady's front yard seems like the most likely thing of the bunch. But there's so many people seeing this stuff. If it's real, it's crazy. But if it's not real, it's still pretty crazy that there's so many people who think that they're seeing these things. And then it gets even crazier. Over the coming months, according to John Keel, strangers driving black Cadillacs start to show up in Point Pleasant, going around town and telling people to keep quiet about their stories. A pair of short, strange men show up at Woody Durenberger's appliance shop one day to tell him that they know who he is and that they advise him to forget about everything he's seen. These people even contacted Keel at one point, trying to get him to stop writing his book. Or so he says, anyway. The closing act of the Mothman saga happens on December 15th, 1967, when tragedy strikes Point Pleasant, West Virginia. The Silver Bridge is a 700-foot-long bridge that connects Point Pleasant to the other side of the Ohio River. At about 5 o'clock that evening, the Silver Bridge collapses in the middle of rush hour, 
causing dozens of cars to plunge into the river, leaving 46 people dead. It was determined that the cause of the collapse was a faulty eye bar. The defect had been there since the bridge was first constructed in 1928, and the damage to the eye bar would have been impossible to detect during inspections. So as the years ticked by, corrosion did its work, damaging the faulty part more and more. The bridge became busier and busier over the years, and the traffic passing over it began to get heavier until the Silver Bridge became a tragedy waiting to happen. It wasn't a question of if it would collapse, but a question of when. And then, 39 years after it was built, it finally came tumbling down. And of course, with all of the crazy things happening in Point Pleasant, people naturally linked this tragedy with everything else, believing that the Mothman was a premonition, warning them of the impending disaster, or even that the Mothman was somehow responsible for the collapse. In fact, there was even a gentleman by the name of Roy Kirby who claims to not only have seen the Mothman at the Silver Bridge on the day of the collapse, but says that he got it on camera. According to Roy, he saw a winged creature several times throughout the day on the 15th, the day of the collapse. And it got to the point where he began to try filming it, he was seeing it so much. And he says that he was successful, that he actually did get video evidence of the Mothman at the Silver Bridge shortly after the collapse. But unfortunately, the FBI got wind of this. They interrogated him and confiscated the tapes. Or so his story goes. So that's pretty convenient. I guess we'll never know. After the bridge collapsed, the Mothman sightings and all the other strange events fizzled out. There were still a couple reports here and there about the men in black showing up to attempt to harass people into keeping quiet about strange encounters. But with the collapse of the Silver Bridge, the Mothman seemed to disappear as well, furthering people's belief that the two were somehow connected. But was this really the case? Is the best explanation for all of these strange events really that Point Pleasant was being visited by supernatural beings with the intent to warn people of an impending disaster? Or is there a more rational explanation? Well, the most obvious explanation for what the Mothman could have been is some sort of bird. Or maybe even an owl. Wildlife biologist Dr. Robert L. Smith has stated that the descriptions and sightings of the Mothman all fit the description of a sandhill crane. A large crane found in North America that can be almost as tall as a man and have a seven-foot wingspan. As for the glowing eyes, most people who saw the Mothman saw it at night and illuminated it somehow, sometimes with their car headlights, sometimes with a flashlight, so the terrifying glowing eyes could easily have just been the light's reflection. But what Dr. Robert Smith fails to explain is the feeling of existential dread that accompanied the Mothman. I think that's a little bit of an oversight on his part. I have seen my fair share of cranes. And let me tell you, not once have I ever been too scared to move, or maybe... It could have all just been psychological. 
people were just scared. I definitely think the Sandhill Crane could explain some of the stories. I've also heard owls thrown around a lot, which I think makes even more sense just because of the way an owl's shaped. The way they don't really have much of a neck, a feature that they share with the Mothman. So, say you've got a couple people who see an owl or a crane and think it's some kind of monster. News gets out that there's a Mothman loose in Point Pleasant, and now it's fresh on everyone's minds. They're gonna be looking for something weird to happen. And now, maybe anytime someone sees a large bird at night, they just automatically assume it's Mothman. And some of it, too, is probably just people who want to be involved. They want to have their own Mothman sighting and have their own minute in the spotlight. Most of the sightings I've talked about here all seemed pretty earnest to me. But there's no way that every single one of the 100-plus Mothman sightings are actually people who legitimately saw or think that they saw a Mothman. A theory that I find interesting, albeit a little bit more unlikely, is that the creature is a mutated bird. It's commonly believed that the Mothman was living in the underground tunnels and abandoned buildings in the TNT area an area that's riddled with hazardous waste from its explosives manufacturing days. So, maybe this waste turned some poor bird into a monster. I think this is a fun little possibility, but I don't know how realistic it actually is. If it was that easy to transform a bird into a dog-eating, bridge-smashing monster, I think we'd probably see a lot more dog-eating, bridge-smashing monsters flying around, both in Point Pleasant and anywhere else where there are toxic chemicals in the environment. Plus, if it's really that toxic, isn't it more likely that the animal would just die, not transform? I don't know. Cool theory, but I'm not so sure about it. There's also a theory that the whole thing is just some elaborate prank someone is pulling and that the Mothman is just some guy in a costume. This is all well and good when the Mothman is on the ground, but what about when he's chasing down cars on the highway at 100 miles per hour? Did someone in 1976, mind you, figure out how to build some sort of a self-propelled glider suit thing that was fast enough to chase cars just to give people a scare? Seems doubtful. Maybe that was part of it, but I can't see that being the whole thing. Then you've got all the weird theories. And I think this is a good time to bring up an issue I have with both Woody Durenberger and John Keel. Woody's story gets way too ridiculous, and John seems way too willing to accept it. Starting in March 1976, Woody and Injured Cold, according to Woody and John, become best pals. Woody says that Indrid would park his spaceship in his front yard and they would just go on adventures together. One time they took a little joyride to Brazil. Another time Indrid took Woody to Lanyulos, his home planet, a nice primitive little place where everyone runs around naked and just lives boring little lives. John also mentions something about Woody getting pregnant, but he doesn't really explain that any further. I have no idea what's going on there. Regardless, Woody's story gets super weird, and I have trouble taking his word too terribly seriously, especially later on. And look, I'm a believer. 
I think aliens are real. I want this to be a story about aliens. But his story just seems bonkers. Anyway, so John, the guy who wrote Mothman Prophecies, which is one of the best sources for the Mothman story, really leans heavily towards the aliens angle. He talks a lot about the UFO sightings in the book and the weird lights in the sky and believes that all of the strangeness going on is due to alien visitors. And he lumps the Mothman in with that. I guess if you want to try to keep an open mind and believe that the Mothman is real, then this is just as likely as anything else. I've also seen the idea tossed around by a paranormal researcher by the name of Rosemary Ellen Gilly that Point Pleasant actually happened to be the home of some sort of interdimensional portal, and that all these anomalies weren't from outer space, but are from another dimension. She cites a bunch of other strange creatures that have been supposedly seen in West Virginia as support for this theory. Creatures like dogmen, giant cats, enormous flying manta rays, a big bear-looking thing with curved horns like a big sheep called Sheep Squatch. All of these creatures have apparently been spotted in West Virginia over the years, so she believed that these, as well as all the sightings surrounding Mothman, are all just creatures visiting our world from other dimensions. And after being sighted, they just retreat to their native world, leaving no evidence that they had ever been here. It's a really cool theory. I certainly hope that that's the case. But those are pretty bold claims. I try to keep things a little bit more rational if I can. Personally, I think that it's some combination of the more rational explanations. A couple people probably got spooked by a crane or an owl or something and started a chain reaction. People got it into their heads that there was some creature running around Point Pleasant and believed it into existence. Maybe some of the accounts were even made up. And maybe there were some imposters too, people trying to spook their friends or something. Woody and the injured cold thing. I mean... It would be really cool if all his stuff was real, but as much as I want to, I'm not buying what he's selling. But then again, we find new species of animals all the time. As much as we like to pretend to know everything about our world, maybe there's still some mysteries out there waiting to be solved, and maybe this is one of them. Even if you don't believe any of this stuff is real, it's still really cool to think about. Like, what if there was actually a portal to another dimension tucked away somewhere in West Virginia? Come on, that'd be pretty cool. If we could get into it somehow, and the other side was some crazy dimension with mothmen and sheep monsters running around everywhere, that would be awesome. Anyway, like I said, after the Silver Bridge collapsed, things started to return to normal. The Mothman became a celebrated piece of Point Pleasant's history. They put up this really cool Mothman statue that I really want to check out someday. There's a Mothman museum. Every September, they have a Mothman festival where the main street gets shut down and everyone dresses up as their favorite cryptids. Mothman's become a huge part of Point Pleasant's history.
Well, guys, that is it for episode seven. I know this is a little bit of a different episode than what I've been doing for the last couple episodes. So I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to keep hearing stories like this that sort of deviate from the true crime route that I had kind of been on for a little bit, uh, definitely let me know what you thought about this. I'm on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff at Simply Strange Podcast. I'd love to hear from you. And let me know what you think of the Mothman as well. Do you think that this is just a simple case of people misinterpreting totally normal things as totally abnormal things as something really weird or do you think that something really weird was actually happening in Point Pleasant, West Virginia? I have no idea to be completely honest but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Anyway, thanks for listening guys. I really appreciate it. Look forward to talking at you again in two weeks and until then, don't shine a flashlight at Mothman.